0: Boris Johnson suffers a case of electoral dysfunction. The Great British Pound appears to be showing major signs of weaknesses and more. I'm Michael Smailis, and this is World Wide Economy. Right before I get into uh, more news, the indices for this week: so the S&P 500 rose 2.4 percent, the Nasdaq Composite 2.2 percent, and the WIG 20, the Polish 20 biggest Polish companies, uh, fell about one percent. So as you can see, there's been a bit of a rally this week. I'll get into. Uh, more of that in just a second. But firstly, I'll just like to uh, Talk about my blog and kind of content structure behind what I'm doing and I've essentially revamped it I've changed a lot of my things. Investingintellect.com is looking a lot more fresh Worldwide economy is now more of a column than it is just a podcast So every week there's going to be some major analyses uh, with graphs uh, with different kind of aspects other than just written word Which I think is very beneficial for uh, essentially the consumers the readers you can say, uh, as well as some other things, so for example, Trump's tweet of the week, uh, I'm going to be picking out out a tweet that I liked, or you know uh, that kind of that uh, kind of struck some interest in me uh, f- every week, and I'm essentially going to analyze it. I'm going to tell you the truth behind his tweets. Uh, give you my take on uh, some things this week I'm going to be talking about essentially whether or not American consumers are getting a discount on imports as Trump. Uh, has suggested so, and essentially uh, my take on this whole thing. Anyways, uh, that is uh, just a quick announcement from my side. Recommended reads for this week: some news and headliners. Trump's tomato trade war deal averted a dreaded 2020 scenario. It's an article by a great article by Bloomberg talking about Trump's uh, recent deal uh, regarding Mexican tomatoes. Essentially, so I think Mexico is the greatest or biggest exporter of tomatoes. And there was, um, up until recently, Trump had a 17.6% tariff on uh, their tomatoes. So, obviously, it's a big tariff on uh, their main exports. And him kind of reverting that has obviously paved the path for greater economic relationships and uh, more trade, which he kind of, uh, you know, made a point of which at start now he's reverting some, tra- some trade kind of uh, tr- uh, protectionist policies in regards to trade wars that he's, had, uh, he's having with many countries. And he's again paving a path for more economic uh, relationship, more globalization, again uh, going back to the kind of stage where everyone was quite recently. Anyways, great article, certainly recommended. It. It's a very interesting read. I wasn't even made sure of the kind of tomato tariffs, uh, you can call them, that Trump had placed on Mexican tomatoes recently. Anyways, there's been a whole lot of stuff happening in the news recently. Uh, honestly, I've had a crazy busy week. Uh, I've been catching up a lot of a lot of the news. But again, it's, you know, a lot to do with the Great British Pound, the US-China trade war. It's kind of the, the heart of the show. Anyways, uh, just a quick clip that actually my mom suggested to me of Boris Johnson, uh, you can say, answering a question uh, on the street, which he got asked, uh, you can check that out. He's been speaking for the last six weeks since he's been elected, and he's said nothing. You have said nothing for the last six weeks. You've gone into Parliament and you've played games. Well Actually, that's not true at all. Well, it's not true at all. We are on the verge of getting a We will get a Right. So from this clip, I'm not really here to make fun of Boris Johnson. I think he makes a good job of that uh, by himself anyways, but my point of this is in regards to politics and politicians, now that I'm going to be taking more of a kind of political perspective or introducing more of a political perspective into these shows because it's an integral part of this show, essentially the international economics behind this, essentially my point is uh, you need to watch out for these two things uh, when listening to politicians, so let's say If they begin their answer or if their answer is essentially you're wrong or, you know, you don't know anything about the subject, uh, then they don't know anything about the subject themselves. It's a very untruthful answer. You need to watch out. It's a crazy red flag when people just deny. This is even just politicians. When people just deny someone else's arguments based on very little, you know, when, when they just say just a statement, they give the point, no explanation, no evaluation or analysis whatever i mean we were taught, we were taught this in preschool middle school high school wh- wh- whatever uh, if they do something like that uh, you know they're lying second of all if a politician acknowledges the question you know they say oh that's a great question thank you for asking it's a very important topic and they you know they kind of babble on this for 20 seconds uh, you know they're full of shit so essentially just these two red flags that you need to watch out for when looking at politicians Uh, Talking about economics, talking about whatever the hell issues uh, they might be talking about, it's very important to know whether or not their answer is truthful, especially now that I'm talking about Trump's tweets in regards to the economy, in regards to tariffs. Uh, It's something, again, that I'm watching out for, and I suggest... That you do as well. Anyway, so the kind of main story of today and something that I've written about in my column is the Great British Pound, or, you know, as I name my column, uh, the not-so-great Great British Pound, or I named my specific piece uh, this week. Anyways, the Pound was one of Tuesday's most prominent stories, making headlines, worldwide headlines, I always mess this up, after pushing below the $1.20 mark. So essentially, uh, the $1.20 mark was a revisioned post-kind of referendum floor for the um, for the Great British pound in respect to the U.S. dollar, uh, and as such, you know, with the kind of forex market being focused around technical analysis, you know, they've got a lot of floors, ceilings. There's quite a lot of psychology in this. It essentially leads to more high, uh, higher selling pressure on the Great British pound, which is as of now uh, around five point oh six percent down year on year against the U.S. dollar. Anyways, the Great British Pound has seen a falling purchasing power, obviously, when, when the currency gets weaker in respect to all other currencies centers its paribus, uh, purchasing power falls. Even amidst economic uncertainties in the US, you know, there's actually been a manufacturing slowdown, first time in three years uh, within the US, as well as the economic turmoil happening in East Asia, so even though a lot of... Uh, essentially economically bad you can say things are happening around the world the great british pound is still falling in respect to that because remember currencies are always in respect to one another Uh, you can have kind of basket indices uh, to look at the kind of general strength of a currency but then again uh, just because something happens in Britain doesn't mean the British pound is going to go down in respect to another country. Something else has to happen in another country as well. So let's say if all things are kept the same in another country, you know, Ceteris Paribus, then it's going to fall down. But let's say, if you know, something is happening in both the countries, which is economically bad, you know, uh, essentially the currencies might stay at a similar kind of um, ratio to one another. But yeah, that's, that's essentially just some simple economic theory. I hope I made that clear. Anyways, even though it has since uh, Tuesday, actually, and Tuesday it, it kind of breached that mark, it has uh, regained some of the losses that are made there, the preceding extraction of capital from the UK, and Boris Johnson's unforeseeable political stunts foreshadow a further wave, or waves, essentially, of currency depreciation uh, to hit the shores of Great Britain. Uh, so essentially, just because, again, like I said, there has been a bit of a rally on uh, the Great British pan recently. In respect to the U.S. dollar, I think some a lot of other currencies, especially the um, currency of Thailand, um, they they have seen some strong rallies against the U.S. dollar, based on you know manufacturing activity, all that kind of stuff. It has still, I'd say, from my perspective, uh, got a lot of losses to see in the foreseeable future, essentially to experience in the foreseeable future. So actually, I'm looking at my article or my column right now, uh, essentially. I've got a graphic here showing the sterling that it, you know, hit it, it hit its basement, obviously the kind of floor that I was talking about, the one pound, uh, the $1.20, but essentially, what does this all mean? You, you can have a look at my column, you can check the, uh, the kind of graphics, I've taken some from Financial Times, etc. very interesting, but essentially, what does this mean? I mean, this, this is kind of the important part of all this, I mean, we know what's happening, but now we need to really analyze the situation and gather some information, gather some analyses and, you know analyze what's going on, and that's exactly what I'm going to do here. So, in essence, a cheaper pound makes the Britain's holidays uh, abroad more expensive. Britain, Britain, I guess you can pronounce, essentially the British people's holidays abroad uh, much more expensive. You know, dollar-denominated debts suddenly becoming a much more severe cost for businesses and more. There's a lot of crazy impacts which you can um, talk about, but mainly it's the imports of any kind uh, that are, you know, essentially less kind on the wallet and with many products you know goods and services less of them are going to be appearing in stores and actually fresh produce from Spain has been diminishing in availability in London, in uh, shops in London across London and it's something that I've actually talked about on a previous show podcast whatever uh, from my personal experience especially experiences of my family since they live in London Uh, they're experiencing this kind of impact firsthand. Nevertheless, there is a silver lining, Well, maybe not for the British, but maybe for myself, you know. For myself and other EU and international students, uh, you know, from the perspective of a student, that's what I'm going to be talking about, university is cheaper, essentially. I mean, uh, the money earned over the, the summer, you know, let's say I'm working a job right now, I'm an intern at PwC uh, at the current moment, my summer money, or, you know, the money that I've earned from the summer, here in Poland is going to buy me more pounds uh, when I come back than it would have let's say a year ago or even a month ago to be honest there's been a big downward trend in that currency anyways uh, you know you essentially have more pocket money Uh, take my friend for example whose parents live in the UAE so the United Arab Emirates uh, that they send money over in dirhams that's their national currency and that currency is actually pinned to the US I believe And so, in the end, he is in full benefit of the exchange rate being a few percent higher or lower, depending on the the way you look at it, uh, than it was last year. From an investing perspective, actually, uh, the drop in UK equities—equities, sorry from a foreign perspective, so, for example, an American or Polish investor uh, like myself, will be amplified through the kind of side-by-side fall in the Great British Bound. So, for example, let's say uh, we take Company X, whatever that might be, uh, it's, a, it's a British company. Let's say their stock falls 10%, and uh, U- uh, US dollar, uh, Great British pound exchange rate falls 10%. So your pounds are buying you fewer dollars, or your dollars are buy- buying you more pounds. Let's say Ten, you know that that falls 10%. Then the stock for an American-based investor, let's say, it actually appears 20, or it is 20% cheaper. That's why, for example, Warren Buffett has, you know, been gathering a sizable. Uh, cash pile to say the least, it's over 100 billion US dollars, I think last time I uh, reported on it a few weeks ago, it was 122 billion US dollars, just sitting in cash in the pockets of, you know, let's say Berkshire Hathaway, it's crazy, and he's been collecting some of that cash, he's going to definitely spend some of it, and he's been talking about spending money in general, investing in UK equities, you know, so I guess, (laughs) let's say, uh, there is a silver lining for some. Anyways, this week's uh, Trump's Tweet of the Week, it's actually a new column that I'm going to be starting. I think I mentioned that at the start of the show. It's essentially a column wherein I'm going to pick out Trump's tweet, and I'm going to talk about the truth behind it. Uh, So in this week's edition of Trump's Tweet, or Trump's Tweet of the Week, whatever you might want to call it, I pick up where Trump left off on the impact of tariffs on US consumers. Are they getting a discount? Trump certainly thinks so. Uh, I'm actually going to read out his tweet right now. So... The, the the tweet reads, or you know, let, let's just say the main part: tariffs will not impact American consumers that mu- that much uh, because the Chinese currency has gone down, which gives our importers a discount. Importers can find supplies outside of China. Absolutely worth it. We don't want to be servants to the Chinese. This is about American freedom. Redirect the supply chain. There is no reason to buy everything from China. Right. So essentially that's kind of what I talk about this week. Uh, I'm going to go over a few of my points, uh, but essentially, uh, Trump isn't wrong in this case. I actually talked about this um, in one of my previous podcasts. So essentially, when the tariffs increase the prices of uh, U.S. imports from China, uh, a falling Chinese or depreciating currency, Chinese yuan, Chinese renminbi, uh, is going to bring that price back down so uh, you got to look at the comparative impacts how much has let's say the tariff impacted the goods that you purchase from China and essentially how much how many percent has the chinese currency gone down in respect to the us dollar uh, to look at the comparative change see whether or not someone's getting a discount or not it, you know it depends from whose perspective you're looking at the kind of elasticity to uh, the price of imports exports whatever you might be looking at uh, which might cause you to buy fewer or more imports from China. But the problem with this, uh, which I really highlight in my column this week, is the fact that, okay, well, you've got some tariffs, which are obviously placed on some uh, U.S. Uh, sorry, Chinese goods. So, for example, namely steel and aluminium. I, was, I think that they were one of the first, actually, tariffs. But the Chinese currency, it applies to all goods. So... Essentially, what that means is that all of all the Chinese goods appear much more cheaper, not just to U.S. consumers, but to everyone around the world. Ceteris uh, paribus, obviously, if it, go, if it only goes down, because I know that, you know, for example, if the Chinese yuan strengthens in respect to another one, that's going to have the uh, in respect to another currency that's going to have the opposite effect. But essentially, when we're looking at uh, the U.S. and China in a bit of a vacuum, that that's kind of how it appears to. Uh, B And so obviously at the beginning Trump's kind of initial agenda for the protections policies that he's installed now, the tariffs, was to direct um, his funds or essentially the purchase of the U.S. consumers from China to elsewhere. But obviously a discount incentivizes more kind of consumption of Chinese goods abroad. So, you know, U.S. importers of Chinese goods. So it's essentially, you can say, a self-defeating argument or a point, really, Uh, Is at the very least confusing Um, so I I really recommend you check out my column on Trump's tweet of the week I think it's very interesting I also show you uh, to what extent the Chinese currency has to keep going up or essentially losing its value in respect to the uh, dollar to offset Trump's tariffs it's a very interesting graphic and again very interesting commentary I'm just giving you some quick notes of uh, what I talk about this week a pinch of politics uh, again a new kind of piece on my column. I've really constructed this column to be a holistic or, you know, somewhat holistic, you could say, um, take on what's going on, on what has been going on this week in politics and economics. Since uh, obviously I'm talking about economics but politics. It, it's so intertwined in international economics that I simply can't stay Uh, away from it Uh, obviously I like politics from a certain uh, perspective but at the same time it's very important to talk about it and then take out the economic kind of information uh, or implications from what's going on and talk about uh, that anyways I'm still going to make fun of Boris Johnson uh, obviously right so Boris Johnson's case of er electoral dysfunction conservative party leader Boris Johnson's Brexit has trouble staying hard and he's struggling to get an election so uh, that's my little uh, little joke On kind of the situation of Brexit and Boris Johnson's government, essentially the Tory party in the UK, so that's the Conservative Party, has experienced Boris Johnson's political blows to his own members, wanting a hard no-deal Brexit and vowing to purge all Tory rebels. So those are people, those are Conservative Party members who oppose a no-deal Brexit or essentially oppose what uh, Boris Johnson is saying. And, you know, they're voting against it. Uh, That's essentially who he, he has vowed, you know, promised to purge from his party. And essentially, uh, Boris Johnson had a few, uh, the kind of UK government had a few uh, important votes recently, and by a margin of handful of votes, I believe it was somewhere in the zone of 20 votes, uh, Boris Johnson lost both of the major votes this week. And um, he's essentially having a hard time pushing through his idea of a snap election, with, uh, w- with which now actually, now that he's got a minority government, since recently one of the Conservative MPs. Move to an opposition, I think it was the Liberal Democrats, so that is m- more of a left leaning party. Uh, in respect to the Conservatives, I believe they're a bit moderate, uh, not like Labour. Essentially, it doesn't sound like a calculated uh, kind of plan on face value, obviously. Anyways, a Tory implosion might be on the horizon, and it begs the question is Boris Johnson playing a clever political game, or is he playing a child's game? Anyways, that's where I'll leave you off this week. Uh, that's a kind of summary of what's been going on this week, my take on things, my invitation uh, to my new column. Obviously, I've been ta- I've been doing World of Economy for a few weeks now, but I'm really diving deep into written analysis uh, on my blog, investingintellect.com. I certainly recommend you to check it out. I've revamped it, all that kind of stuff. Trump's Tweet of the Week, new edition. Uh, I think the content that I'm writing right now will be very beneficial to uh, many i 've had a lot of fun writing a lot of fun writing it sorry and certainly there's there 's a decent amount of sizable amount of content uh, for people to digest and uh, just read someone 's opinion on really obviously i 'm bringing up the facts i 'm telling what 's happening and then i 'm also giving you my take on it so it is by no means some form of journalism i 'm not, not not simply reporting the truth i 'm saying what 's happening and saying what I think of it anyways you can check me out on instagram as well investing intellect website investing intellect Intellect.com, sorry. This has been World Wild Economy, and I wish you a great week. I'll see you soon.